from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Tossed Popcorn. I'm Liana Holston. And I'm Sienna Jekyll. And this is the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today we're watching number six on the list, Gone with the Wind. Ashley Wilkes told me he liked to see a girl with a healthy appetite. Warning, there will be spoilers about this very, very old film. Uh, trigger warning as well, we will be talking about slavery in the American South on this podcast. Okay, well, Liana, how <laughs> was that four hours of your life? I really felt I had to um, physically prepare for it as one would a marathon. People run marathons that are shorter than this movie. Quite often. Okay, I know we need to do our predictions, but I would just like to start off by saying I am very embarrassed. As an American <laughs> studies major, Oh, I guess we should just get it out of the way and, and Ooh, do mine. I cannot wait to hear this. <laughs> Hi, Liana. It's Sienna. I'm about to watch Gone with the Wind for the very first time. I'm embarrassed to say I really don't know much about the story itself. I've never read the book. But I did see a Carol Burnett sketch long ago in which she wears a curtain <clears throat> as a dress, and I believe it was spoofing this film. So I think it's about the South <laughs> and the Great Depression. I'm pretty sure it's going to be very, very racist, and I hope that some women get the vapors. All right, let's watch it. I'm sorry, <laughs> women get what? The vapors. <laughs> 
anyway, it was the Great Depression thing that I am embarrassed about. Oh, well, that's okay. I mean, the book was published in what, 1933? It was prime time for you to guess Great Depression. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I must have just known when it was published. Next up, your prediction. Hello, Sienna. I don't know if you can hear from my voice just how much caffeine I have consumed, but it's because I'm about to watch Gone with the Wind, a four-hour waste of cinematic space. I know it's about the Civil War, and I imagine it's going to have some poor takes on the vibes of America during that time. I think mm. there's also a woman in it named Scarlett O'Hara, but I mm. for a second got confused with her and Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> Where in the world is Scarlett? Uh, she's in the past. Um, wrong about the Civil War. Okay, please pray. I love you very much. Um, oh, God. Bye. Wow, wow, wow. Not wrong. Not wrong. You sounded so far away in that. Uh, wow, that's shocking because I was talking directly into my headphone microphones. I thought maybe the caffeine sent you backwards. In time. <laughs> Which brings us <laughs> to the movie itself. <laughs> Step back, if you will, in time to the days before the Civil War. Almost days, actually. Literal um, days. Okay, Gone with the Wind. Scarlett O'Hara is a feisty white lady in the Old South, and then the Civil War happens to her. <laughs> It's so funny to say the Civil War happens to one person. <laughs> like, that's pretty much what it's about, though, right? Yeah, but it's like, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. It's just, you know, the Civil War is happening to me. <laughs> I guess it's also important to note it took place over many years. Uh, it spans over, what, like 15 years or something? 12, I think. 12. Uh, and we kind of watched the South run out of money and deteriorate as everyone tries to keep their pride and their enslaved people. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Anything to add? It's a romance. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're, they're, they're men, they're women. <laughs> oh, my God. Rhett Butler is a man who loves uh, Scarlett O'Hara, and uh, Scarlett O'Hara loves a man named Ashley. Ashley. And Ashley is ugly, and you're going to hear a lot about that from me. Whoa, okay. We are going to have to talk about that, because... Um, mm -mm. <laughs> Oh, I'm excited to talk. Okay. First, I do think we need to hear a little bit of history from you. Yeah, we flipping do. Because everybody, this film is pro-South propaganda. That's <laughs> what it is. Obviously, I fell into a wormhole about the Civil War, but I'm going to do my best to power through. I kept my notes to only one page. Thank <gasps> I'm you. I'm so proud. Wow. Here we go. Okay. This film takes place in Georgia, in the antebellum South. That means pre-Civil War South and then goes through the Civil War until afterwards during the period of Reconstruction. Antebellum South is often romanticized as this idyllic time where the days were long and warm and everybody was happy and white, which for the white people was true, but for everybody else, not the case at all. Slavery was going strong and slaves were considered property, not people. I cannot stress enough how very bad this time was for humanity. But pretty much the entirety of this movie communicates the antebellum nostalgia vibe and completely overlooks the brutality and reality of chattel slavery. Yes. The American Civil War. Here are some key dates. Okay, November 6th, 1860, Abraham Lincoln is elected president. December 20th, 1860, South Carolina is the first state to secede from the Union. 
April 12th, 1861, the Civil War officially begins when Southern forces fire upon Fort Sumter. September 22nd, 1862, Lincoln issues the Emancipation Proclamation, which goes into effect on January 1st, 1863. One thing to note is that the Emancipation Proclamation didn't actually officially end slavery. It said, all persons held as slaves shall forever be free, except that only applied to Confederate states that had seceded and not even to Confederate states that had already come under Northern control during the war up until that point. July 1st through 3rd, 1863, the Battle of Gettysburg, which is featured only a little bit in this film. It was the bloodiest single battle of the war. There were over 50,000 casualties, but it turned the tide for the Union. It's considered to be one of the most, if not the most significant events of the Civil War. The American Civil War, I should say. Other countries have those too. <laughs> On May 7th, 1864, the be- was the beginning of the Atlanta campaign, which is heavily featured in this movie. That's when General oh. William Sherman marches the U- Union troops south from Tennessee into Georgia. And Atlanta falls on September 1st of 1864. April 14th, 1865, um, Lincoln is assassinated. Dang. Which I felt very dumb being surprised by that. <laughs> I knew it happened. I just sort of forgot that it happened before the Civil War ended. Yeah, right in, in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our poor bearded boy. Um, on June 2nd, 1865, a couple months after that, the Civil War officially ends. If you have more questions about the timeline or battles of the Civil War, please feel free to ask any dad. (laughs) Great. Reconstruction then was from 1865 to 1877. And there was a period of time called Radical Reconstruction, which actually was like almost things were going well. The 14th Amendment was passed, which is the Equal Protection Amendment. The 15th Amendment, which was that stated that citizens' right to vote should not be denied on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude was also passed. Basically, things improved for like one second, and then the KKK (laughs) and systemic racism ruined everything again, and things got worse. Mm -hmm. Some big issues that come up with this film. It has a lot of harmful tropes in it, tropes of happy slaves who were, you know, considered like docile or incompetent and happy to serve their white masters. The Mammy character was a really harmful trope that then was seen. I mean, we saw it last week in mm-hmm. Singing in the Rain. The film itself, which was released in 1939, was protested even then by Black Americans. And the NAACP was like, hey, what if you didn't <laughs> release yeah. this movie that is only like damaging tropes about Black <sighs> people in America? And um, one of the producers was like, was like, we hear you. And then they released it anyway. And what's extra fucked up, I mean, all of this is very, very deeply fucked, but the Black cast members of the film couldn't attend the film's premiere because of Jim Crow segregation laws in Atlanta, Georgia in that year. And Hattie McDaniel, who was the first African-American to win an Academy Award, she plays Mammy in the film, couldn't even sit with the white cast at the ceremony. Jesus Christ. Finally, and this is going to be a real hole that we're going to have to crawl out of to start being funny again. (laughs) The notion of the South will rise again. (sighs) I know. But the thing that has to be said and the reason that this film is dangerous and that putting it at number six on this list is very fucked up is because we're seeing white nationalism and white supremacy rampant in this country now. It was exemplified by the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville in 2017. And most recently on January 6th of this year when the insurrection happened at the U.S. Capitol. Right. These ideals are still very, very strong throughout this country and celebrating something that turns a blind eye to those damaging thoughts 
is very, very problematic, to put it mildly. Now, HBO Max does acknowledge that, and they pulled the film last summer, and they now preface it with a four-minute video by Jacqueline Stewart from Turner Classic Movies that puts it in its historical context, which is a positive thing. Mm -hmm. But overall, the TLDR of this historical context section is Gone with the Wind, Very Fucked, Do Not Watch It. (laughs) Okay, that was really, really great. Thank you for that historical everything. You're welcome. And now let's move on to phone notes, where we, of course, talk about the notes that we took throughout the film. I mean, I do have to just say this is also sort of related to all the stuff we were just talking about. But the very start of the movie, Mm -hmm, they explain mm -hmm, why mm -hmm. it's called Gone with the Wind. And Uh the name is because they're like, Gone with the Wind is this culture, this civilization of the old South. It just left one day and it's gone forever. That was horrific. We know it's not. It is systematically ingrained, hardcore. It is America. Yeah, it's not fucking gone at all. It's here. It's here with the wind. Ooh, ooh. There's been (laughs) a lot of wind and it's still here. Yeah. The film opens on opening images of Black people in fields picking cotton. And uh, dreamy music in the background. One of the lines in the opening sequence is, no more than a dream remembered. And it's like, (laughs) we should not be romanticizing this time. Right off the bat, it makes sense that there were so many people at the time who were protesting it because it did not come out that long ago. No, it came out, what, 50 years after the Civil War ended? I know that math is wrong, but somebody on Twitter will correct it. (laughs) There was there was time to be like, hey, this was bad. I mean, you know, Germany 40 years after the Holocaust was like, hey, we should um, really remember this because Uh it was one of the worst things that has ever happened. You know? Yeah. And here we are still putting this movie on the list. Number six. Unbelievable. Ouch. Okay. Our season finale is going to be us personally fighting the American Film Institute. (laughs) That's the goal. That's the real goal. (laughs) Some notes I wrote. Oh, very Mm -hmm. early on. The music. So loud. Oh, so loud. Very hard to hear the dialogue. Yes. I think people get really confused and think this movie is very good when actually it's just the music (laughs) is A, playing all the time and B, slaps. It's a very emotive score. And so I, I could see you getting confused and sort of baffled yes. into thinking like, wow, what a film, when really it was like, wow, what a composition of, of musicality. Indeed. Okay. Unfortunately, my next note is already about Ashley. Ashley Wilkes? Ashley. Is uh-huh. Is about Ashley Wilkes. And okay. A visibly tall man. And? <laughs> my note is, this is the town hottie? Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I need a moment to sit with that because my response was, yeah, this is the town hottie. <laughs> That's insane to me. Oh, he looks Liana. like Tom Hiddleston. I don't know what you want me to do. I wrote a segment, actually. This segment is specifically things I think that Ashley Wilkes looks like. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to start off and say, Ashley Wilkes is this character. It is the man that Scarlett O'Hara loves the most. She pines after him for the whole film. Here's a list of things that uh, I I thought he looked exactly like. Soviet Willy Wonka. (laughs) A quesadilla who got so angry that he came to life. Oh my God. A Ken doll left in the sun. Yeah. A little rich boy with Benjamin Button disease. (laughs) A honey wand. Woody from Toy Story, but old and gay. (laughs) A friendless jazz age vampire. Oh my god. The thing is, you're listing things that are all my type. (laughs) (laughs) 
A tattoo someone tried to get removed. Yeah. The god of carrots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a butthole. <laughs> okay. That's not fair. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Here's the thing. My type is men with girlfriends or wives. <laughs> so I think it would the attraction for me in this film was more the vibe of him rather than his actual self, if that makes sense. This makes sense. This makes a lot yes. of sense. Yeah. The whole time I was like, yep, I'm with you, sister. I get it. <laughs> Later, she screams at him. She screams at Ashley. I hate you. And I hate your baby. I loved that line so much. I wrote... Liana? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> I love that. You had a different experience with this man. Oh, I'm happy for you. That Was that something nice throughout the film? Well, no, because it was sort of like having lived it many a time. <laughs> it was traumatic. I was like, Ugh. and the film was just so long that I was like, girl, you got to move on. Yeah. Like, I, I like to think that if I were in a war, I would at least stop thinking about the man. Right. Yeah. And go do other things with my time. That was tough. I, I do want to talk, though, about Melanie, Ashley's wife. Oh, yes. And cousin. Indeed. Sweet Melanie, related mm -hmm. to her husband in a way that they're very proud of it. Yeah, they they are announced. It's like a family tradition. There's a line that's like, the Wilkes always marry their cousins. <laughs> I was like, pardon? Part of the appeal for him. Yeah, he has a type and it's cousin. <laughs> Somebody catches... Scarlet hugging Ashley, mm -hmm. which is a big no-no at this time. Oh, it's a, I mean, I will say it's a nice hug, so I get it. <laughs> and then, way, this is way forward, and this is when Scarlet is married to Rhett later. Oh. Spoiler. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 hours in, so you shouldn't stick around to wait it's for so it. so many hours in. It takes so long to get there. <laughs> but when she's married to him, uh, he then sends her to this party that Melanie is throwing so that Scarlet has to go face this woman who she has cuckolded by hugging her <laughs> husband. Because... Because the husband and Scarlet's hug was seen by two women and they spread the word around the town that something was up. He makes her wear the hottest dress. She looked so good she looked in this dress. I, didn't... I googled it after the film just to look at it some more. <laughs> I didn't know they had things that looked that good at this time. No, I didn't know that was allowed. Frankly, my dear, it's time for a break. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, 
iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So speaking of gals doing gal things at this time, okay, we need to talk about that nap. <sighs> this nap. I have contrasting emotions about it. There's a, a basically a day party, a darty for our more sort of fraternal <laughs> listeners. And <laughs> it's a big barbecue before the war. And so everybody's all dolled up for it and very excited. And Scarlett is playing the field with these men. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it was admirable. She was having a hot girl summer. Yeah. But in the middle of this barbecue, they all eat. And then the women all have to go take a nap upstairs <laughs> while the men sit in their war room and talk about the oncoming war. It's, such, it's so weird. It's such a crazy uh, double standard. Uh, yeah. Like, but the thing is, I also was kind of like, I would love that. Like I, if I got to just go take a nap in the middle of a party. Yeah, no, I, I, I would do it. I wrote all proper ladies need naps, question mark, question mark, lucky. But then very shortly after that, beneath that, I wrote baby girls are literally fanning them because yes. there are young slave children mm -hmm. who are fanning them with fans. It is truly, truly, truly horrific. It is very upsetting. A hundred percent. The thing with this film is like anytime there's a nice moment that's like, oh, I would love to take a nap yeah. at a party. They're like, also slavery yeah. is going on. But we're not going to be like, uh, that's a reminder that things were bad. We're just going to be like, and the slaves, of course, we're fanning them while they nap. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yep. Yep. No, not worth you. everybody. It's the same with all the wonderful outfits because there are some just astounding outfits. Slappers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some great ones. Some real slappers. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't feel good i mean i couldn't mm -hmm. even really write it down as like a, this is great because the point of them wearing these outfits is that they are celebrating their the wealth and the society that is built off of based off of owning people that's what they're mm -hmm. celebrating that's why they have yeah. this grandeur so it is not charming it mm -hmm. is not charming it is very very creepy yeah 
I really don't know how you could watch this film and be like, yay, yeah. at any point during it. Yeah. At best, you feel very, very conflicted. At best. At the best moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when there's a nice hug. Yeah, a nice hug. I have an embarrassing truth for you, which is that, do you remember the scene? The war has started and they're all at this sort of dance at this, at this hall yes. and they're raising money for the war effort is this after her husband her first husband has died this is after her first husband dies of pneumonia slash the measles like two weeks (laughs) into the war her husband's die so conveniently in this film it's incredible but also it was the past it kind of makes sense yeah yes she gets married to make ashley jealous because ashley's marrying his cousin melanie Mm -hmm. and she marries some guy named like charles or something and then he quickly as he's stepping out of the door he's like i'm going to the war right now um do you want to get married she's like yeah Yeah. let's do it like okay then bada bing bada boom he dies passes directly away in in that scene where they're raising money they they do a dance that's called the virginia reel which that you stand in lines and you it's and i know that whole dance how <laughs> what because i don't remember why i know it it's either and i actually think it might be both which is that i grew up doing irish dance for like 12 years and a large large part of that was doing like traditional group dances that they would do at Kaylee's in Ireland Kaylee's Gaelic for party thank you and also I mean her dad in this movie is Irish oh Hera oh hello the other way I think I might know it is that my family did Thanksgiving every year in South Carolina (laughs) growing up and we would go to square dances Mm -hmm. and I think the Virginia reel was done there but a reel is an Irish like song R-E-E-L also a film reference, but it's it's an Irish piece of music. And so the Virginia reel is like sort of a mix of the two. Oh, fat. and I, I mean, they were performing it and I was like, yep. <laughs> that is, that is upsetting for you. It was. <laughs> That's a moment you it have, really was. You just sit, sitting and watching that. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I really want to talk to you about when they get the list of deaths from <laughs> Gettysburg and then the band starts playing like a weirdly upbeat tune and one boy is playing the flute and crying and it was so funny i wrote that down too crying boy on flute iconic man oh man yeah that made me laugh out loud it did i really don't i I also just couldn't understand the song choice for that moment because it wasn't like a funereal dirge or anything that would have made sense for them getting the returns from gettysburg where like twenty eight thousand um confederate soldiers had died (laughs) but they were like let's just get get a get an up and pop and melody going yeah i guess they're trying to you know stay happy even though they can see themselves losing yeah that boy man that was a performance of a lifetime crying into his flute (laughs) I wonder where he is now. <laughs> Probably dead. Okay. How about suddenly this film? Yes, we get into the war. We get into, yeah, the nitty gritty, people dying, whatever, the emotional stakes of this. But all of a sudden, there's a lot of fire. The whole background backdrop of the set is just orange <laughs> for, what, half an hour? It, truly. I mean, I think the film turned red after this. Um, yeah, it does. What were they doing here? Because they're riding on a horse and... Okay, this sucks. This scene this scene combines a lot of my least favorite things in film, which is like being pro-South during the Civil War mm-hmm. and a woman giving birth to a child. Yeah, It's a nightmare. It's a cinematic nightmare <laughs> for me specifically and probably many other people. But Melanie is giving birth to Ashley's son, 
who he got Christmas leave months ago. That is, we are to believe when she got a pregnant mm. and, uh, Obviously, she's not doing well because scientists did not prioritize researching pregnancy or caring for pregnant people um, until, I don't know, last year. And so <laughs> she's just like brink of death in her bed. Is it bad that this is actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when not her dying. I really come across as anti-woman on this show sometimes. <laughs> Allow me to amend. It's when Scarlet goes to get the one doctor in all of Atlanta, apparently, and he's treating wounded soldiers who are literally just strewn across the ground, mm -hmm. which A, I thought was a very effective scene just in terms of the sheer number of extras required. Yeah, and B, that, it shows, you know, the scale of mm -hmm. war and why war is stupid and men are stupid. And uh, also, I just really loved the hospital scenes because I wrote a paper That's about -ish. Yeah. hospitals in the American Civil War when I was at Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a nice time to reflect on that. All right. After this fire scene and everything, I guess yeah. this is when she first is sort of hitting rock bottom when it's just her, it's Scarlet, Prissy, and was anyone else with them? Just Scarlet, Prissy, and the, the horse. M Melanie and the baby. Oh, that's <laughs> kind of, that's the whole reason. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, it should be noted, Prissy is a slave girl. She's a black woman in the film, and she is portrayed as like completely incompetent and like bumbling the whole day. It's yeah, incredibly offensive. It's um, I before we get into them fleeing on the carriage, there are two things that I have to say about the previous scenes, which were two 1917 parallels that <gasps> I noticed in this film. One was panning out and seeing all the soldiers in sort of the medical triage area, which you yes. see at the end of 1917. They do it way more effectively. And Richard Madden is at the end of it. So it's there's much more of a payoff. And two, a surprise cow. <laughs> do you remember? This? Oh, I remember this because this is one of the things I wrote down. Here, I'm going to read. I'm going to read these three notes and this will probably just capture the whole scene for you. All you need to know. OK, <clears throat> this is one hungry, thirsty horse. New line. <laughs> Okay, a cow has just joined their girl gang. <laughs> and new line, she literally just killed the horse. Yep. Yep. I had um, leave that horse alone. She is tired. And then I had, okay, that horse is going to die. And then I had, yep, the horse died. <laughs> you predicted it. Okay, a lot of people in this film die by collapsing <laughs> and never getting up again. <laughs> We, I want to talk about it so soon, but it, it's at the end, but we, <laughs> okay, let's just do it. Let's speed it up we for should, everybody. Let's do like a horse focus. Oh my <laughs> God. You should be afraid of horses after this film. It's a very horse forward. <laughs> Scarlet throws dirt at a dude. Then her Irish dad flies off a horse and dies. Allow me to give a little bit more context, okay. which is purely white male rage is what <laughs> causes his death it's not really horse it's more his own sort of hubris it's because the guy was offering to buy the plantation but oh. he had joined the union and they didn't like him anymore and so she throws dirt at him but then her dad who's also senile and has a broken knee at this point hops on a horse and is like i'm gonna get him and then the horse yeets the father plows into a fence right onto the ground yeah and then the ground boom and pa dies we do have a little moment where um, Rat is captured by the Union soldiers and he's in a little jail <gasps> and Scarlet calls it a horse jail. And I thought that that would go very well with the horse morgue that we have established from our Godfather <gasps> episode. I think we really could build a whole sort of horse community <laughs> <laughs> with the movies on this list. A horse sanctuary, though. I guess it's mostly 
death focused so far. The opposite. Or... The horses are not well in these movies. <laughs> and then one of the most uh, memorable parts of this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> is at the end. Do you want to do it, it Liana? Is, it's batshit crazy, is what it is. Let's tag team it. Okay, a little bit of context. Rhett and Scarlet get married through sort of a not romantic proposal. And then they have a baby whose name is like Babs? Eugenia. Yeah. Abby? Bonnie. Bonnie. <laughs> Bonnie, who is, I mean, I hated her, but I'm not, I just am not good with kids. Um, Bonnie has a has a pony she trots up while her parents are talking about love or something they're mad at each other she trots up on a tiny little horse she's a tiny woman on a tiny horse a pony a pony perfect for her size (laughs) she says to them she's like i'm gonna do a jump and you'll see because she's mad that they're not watching her because they're arguing with each other Mm -hmm. her mom scarlet watches her go off and she says ah just like pa then basically look to camera Just like, just like, Papa. <laughs> and this child, clip clop, clip clop, clip clop, <laughs> slams into this fence, flies off of her horse, hits the ground. Next shot, a funeral. I choked on my water <gasps> when this scene happened. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe. <laughs> Not one, but two people in the film got yeeted off a horse and died. (laughs) It is a common theme. Oh, wow. It was so insane. There is no way to explain to you. This is an hour, like three and a half of this movie. You're playing 2048 on your phone. We should be in the denouement section. (laughs) And yet they're like, actually, Babby's going to die via getting thrown off a pony. I was concerned also for the pony. Oh my God, also the pony gets shot. Yes. Then Rhett, who's, you know, uh, understandably mad that his uh-huh. child has died. It's, guys, mm-hmm. it sounds sad, but it's really not. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. very funny. They do not hit the emotional landing of this <laughs> yeah, at all. In this so film. fast. So out of the blue. So it's fast. so insane. So hard. No time is spent on it. Nobody knows what to do. <laughs> And uh, Rhett uh, angrily, you know, shoots the horse off screen. The pony. The pony. pony. Apologies. Apologies. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know what? At this funeral, Melanie, (laughs) much like the horse we saw earlier, collapses to the ground. She's like one of those dolls where you press the button on the bottom of it and it just goes limp. (laughs) And then this is very funny, too. There's so many funny moments in this film that were not meant to be funny. Scarlet is at Melanie's deathbed and she's like, oh, bye. And Melanie passes away. And then Scarlet leaves and Rhett and Ashley are out in sort of the, the living room area. And Rhett is standing and Ashley is sitting and Scarlet goes and sort of like very performatively embraces Ashley <laughs> instead of her own husband <laughs> directly in front of Rhett. Uh-huh. And I was like, honestly, girl, power to you. That yeah. is funny as hell. <laughs> she's bold. I'll say that. I actually think we've gotten through a lot of the plot in this movie, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back and say a couple more of the batshit crazy things that go down that I'm sure you remember too. Yes. Okay. Um, first of all, Scarlet is the definition of a girl boss. Okay. <laughs> she ends up pulling herself up by her bootstraps, uh, starting this lumber company after marrying her sister's like almost fiance. I mean, oh. she gets in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then he dies as well, by the way. But she oh, runs yeah. this place and she is not good to any black people and really just 
the problems with white feminism, like at its very, very clearest. Yeah. Black people and also like prison labor is seen in this film as well. And just complete exploitation of the incarcerated. Yeah. And like, that's what she's doing. And that's how she like makes her money back. And she's like a girl boss. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But another real girl boss moment for this lady is when she murders a guy. Murders a man. Unfortunately, it is a union soldier. The team that we are on. Remember, do not forget that. (laughs) But yeah, she shoots him so directly in the face. There was more blood than I was expecting. It was an interesting moment. Also, a just true hilarity in this film where uh, this union soldier barges into her house. This is when she's still before she pulls herself up by her bootstraps. She's back at Tara. She's eaten a radish directly out of the ground. <laughs> just dirty, just poor, whatever. And <laughs> but she still has Tara. And a Union soldier breaks into their house or, you know, is gonna do some bad stuff. And she shoots this man in the face with a surprise gun <laughs> that we didn't know about before. Um, we knew about the gun. Oh, we did? Okay. I guess I was pissing Maybe out. it's possible that 2048 blocked it out for you, <laughs> but she like goes and gets it. They make it very clear where the gun comes from. She shoots him in the face and then she and her sister, or was it Melanie? Melanie. Melanie. Have to deal with a dead body. Like not only does she shoot him, but then they have to deal with that. I wrote... Now it's a girl boss buddy cop caper. (laughs) (laughs) Which is still bad because there's cops involved now. Yeah. Um, But then she says a very good line. Do you you remember this one? Mm -mm. She just goes just so sullenly. "Ah, Well, I guess I've done murder. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I've done a murder. Speaking of the Civil War, you know what they used to have back then as well as now? Advertisements. We're going to go hear some now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. 
I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. There were two other things before I have a fun segment for you, which are Yay. Um, one, this movie was so weird because it was like watching a film about like a Nazi family who has a bad time during World <laughs> War II. And you're like, I don't can't, uh, like you are bad. You did bad things and you should be held accountable for like, why is this the side that we are putting totally, forward? As the protagonist? Totally. So that is, that's really well put. Yeah. It's just like, well, I don't. This isn't what this shouldn't be. <laughs> and then the other thing I wrote down is that Melanie's baby, when it's a little bit more grown up, looked so much like me. <laughs> it's like it's a boy with short hair and it's got like freckles. It, I'm sorry. He um, <laughs> and just I've seen a lot of my baby pictures and I look it again was a moment of like, oh, boy. <laughs> I am sort of looking confronting, I'm confronting my whiteness here in regards to and relation to this film. I can just really imagine you at certain moments in this film. Like I'm imagining you like two feet away from the screen, <laughs> dead in the eyes, having to reconcile with with how much you're looking into a mirror right now when you're looking at this film. Yeah. And let's never take that audio clip out of context, please, everyone. Um, let's keep that firmly sandwiched. So that the poll quote is not, wow, Liana really related to God with the wind. She really saw a lot of herself in that movie. Well, they're very specific moments. It's a baby. It's a baby who looks like me and has freckles. Oh, and the last thing I have to say is that Ashley is doing that very insidious thing where he has a secret with a woman who is not his wife. Which is when Mm. it's right before the hug and they're talking about his surprise birthday and he's like, I'll just not tell Melanie that I know. And it creates this bond between him and Scarlett, who also he kisses twice in the film as well. Yeah. By the way, they'd already made out before people caught them hugging. Yeah. But just speaking as a woman who men with girlfriends really love (laughs) and love to tell secrets to, it was a very recognizable behavior and I did not enjoy it. Um, Okay, Sienna, here's my little segment for you. I which can't wait. I've sent you four audio clips, and <gasps> this is a segment that I call Liana Checks In. At the end of every hour of the film, I did a teeny tiny little audio check-in just to let you know how I was doing. Okay, I am one hour in to Gone with the Wind, and I just want to say, um, 
What the fuck? <laughs> Why is this movie so pro south? Uh, yeah, I know. Why, what? Why was this allowed? <laughs> also, the current thing that's on the screen is paused at a white guy giving a sermon in front of a white Jesus. So oh my God. that's where we're at. Hour one. Yeah, it really feels like you're at war. <laughs> and I just want to hearken back to my prediction where I was very, very high energy, had just pounded caffeine. I just really want you to focus on the difference. Two hours in to watching Gone with the Wind. This film is propaganda. <laughs> also, the married guy just kissed her again. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, two white women picked cotton for, I don't know, three minutes oh my God. and started crying. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe we could learn something about how maybe that's not like a thing we should be making other humans do, ladies. I'm going to go eat a salad for sustenance. <laughs> you sound so broken. Yeah. <laughs> Just you wait. Hour three of Gone with the Wind. I don't know why this film is still going. I don't care about anybody in it. It's the worst rom-com I've ever seen. <laughs> why? What? I'm an, I need coffee. Were you under a car at that point? <laughs> Emotionally, yes. I At that point, at hour three, I went and I made a fresh pot of coffee. Oh, baby. I cannot believe I just lost four hours of my life to a story that ends with a woman saying, well, I'll just go home and figure out a different way to get this man's attention. Bye. Oh, Yep. I have to pee. <laughs> that is how it ends. It ends with her mumbling to herself, actually. <laughs> she's in like a Jennifer Lawrence at the Oscars pose on the staircase. And she's like, oh, that's right. Tara, that place I really enjoyed living. I really liked that segment. I really felt like I was with you for that experience. All right. Well, let's move on to our segment, Badges and Tragedies, for the film Gone with the Wind. This is where we award a badge to things that we thought the film did well. And we award trages to things that we found to be very tragic moments. And uh, it's stupid that this movie is celebrated. Let's dive in. Sienna, do you have badges to award? I do have a few. I was kind of disoriented while uh, writing all of these up. So it'll be interesting <laughs> what, I have, what I have left. I was just so <laughs> flustered after this film. All right. Some badges. Uh, in color plus funky hair colors. Yeah. The men in this film specifically, lots of oranges, lots of yeah. yellows, lots of... I we mean, had ginger representation in this film. Lots of it. And very, almost neon, Cheeto-esque. <laughs> badge for a rainbow. And actual real-life badge to great acting by um, the main actress... Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. And yes. shouts out to Butterfly McQueen and Hattie McDaniel. Yeah. The two Black women featured most in this film and they yeah. were both great actresses even when the stuff they had to play sucked mm. so anyway good acting good acting was present yeah i would agree how about yourself i think those are great badges oh uh, i got a badge for enormous skirt to keep the boys <laughs> at a distance <laughs> oh that yes, is good please i would love to have one of those could you imagine because i listener i'm really trying to have a hot girl summer but at the same time i hate men who are close talkers who i don't want to be talking close to me or when a man puts his hand on your upper arm for no reason oh God. but if you got a big skirt you can keep those boys away just bounce them swing like a bell and boing they're out of there 
<laughs> Swing like a bell. Ding dong. Bye. <laughs> I got to give a badge for Vivian Lee's right eyebrow. It is doing the work in this <gasps> film. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Was it active? I got to give a badge for Michael Bay levels of explosions in the oh, scene yeah. where they are running through the town of Atlanta that has just been invaded by Sherman, who is a bad guy in this film, but a good guy in history. <laughs> okay, and finally, I have to give a badge for that red dress that you see for maybe one minute Ooh. of the film. Ooh. When she walks in and gives that one eyebrow look to Ashley and he looks up from his birthday cake and just like, <clears throat> things that are too dirty to say on the pod because my parents listen to it. Yeah. I'm kind of tearing up a little bit. But that moment, I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> that was just for me, the eye contact, the horniness of the entire room. Whoa. It was so hot. She looked so good. Tragis? Tragis. <laughs> Uh, my treasures are pretty slim, unfortunately, because it was just so obvious what the issues are, I guess. The and whole so, film is a trag in and of itself, right? It is a tragic film. That is a mm. great word for it, actually. It is tragic because they put all this work in to making something that, like you said, we don't want. Like, it's like yeah. a, yeah, like a Nazi family having a bad they time. The wrong team. <laughs> yeah, they picked the wrong team. So what's the point, man? Yep. I wrote the longest experience of my life. <laughs> I also, I was like, I can't remember doing anything for four hours straight. Yeah, truly. Because why would you? All right. Why right. would you ever? Yeah, I mean, just everything. Yeah, I mean, just just whiteness, just danger, just all of it. All of it. <laughs> Hopefully you put it better than I did. Um, and then my final one is Ashley equals ugly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Weigh in, everyone. We'll do a little poll online. Mm. Um, I got a trad for a white woman named India. Gotta give that out. Um, <laughs> Trash for violence against roosters. Um, there was a scene that really involved a rooster absolutely on the brink of death, and I did not enjoy it. A trage, of course, for horses' rights in early cinema. Mm -hmm. They did not have any. <laughs> it None. was clear in this film. I got to give a trage also for having to listen to a child describe a dream, which <laughs> was one of the worst parts of this film for me personally yeah. was Rhett is like, I'm going to a London for a prolonged time. And I was like, first of all, mood, absolutely. But then he drags his fucking daughter along with him and she's screaming in the nighttime and he wakes her up and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, now allow me to detail to you ineloquently because I'm five, a dream that I had that made no <laughs> goddamn sense. Cause I'm five. It was so annoying. <laughs> yep. That's your nightmare. My nightmare is a child describing their dream. <laughs> Sienna, how would you rate this film? Oh, shoot. I know. Um, I'm going to give this film a 1.5 out of five horse bones. <laughs> and I say that because, I mean, that's a, like, there's, I could rate it much lower, right? But the reason I gave some substance to it is because it kind of is eye-opening to mm. watch, like... Yeah, it's not productive for it to exist, but it did. I mean, you know, it made me. It, it was Civil War propaganda. It was South propaganda, and uh, I don't know. It kind of it, it opened my eyes and made me reflect a lot about how wrong it was. So if yeah. you're going in, and if you especially want to look for all the inaccuracies, because it was really inaccurate. Its representation of slavery was just super, super wrong. <laughs> yeah. So go in, not for an educational experience, but for a reflective one. Hmm. Yeah. I do think it's educational in the sense that this film was released in 1939 and you uh -huh, can just see yeah. how much sentiment was still so pro-South at the time. Yeah, I totally get that. That makes a ton of sense. 
I would give it one ground radish <laughs> out <laughs> of five. And it really, it's pulling up to a one mainly because of that red dress and just how good Ooh, Vivian Lee mm-hmm. looked in it. Um, again, this is for me to say, no men are allowed to have that opinion. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I also would give it one because I thought the score was really very good. And I thought the score was what, like there were moments where I had goosebumps in the film and I was like, stop it. But it's because of the uh, really very emotional music that accompanied it. Um, I thought that was a very sweeping, well-executed thing. That's a good note. Yeah. Next, how can you pretend that you have seen this film? So you're at a darty and... Oh yeah, a day party. Sigma (laughs) Chi. No, not that one. They lost their housing. Bradley comes Hmm. up to you at this this darty and he says hey i see you got a mint julep there oh that reminds me of one of my favorite movies ever gone with the wind Mm. have you ever seen it yeah and because you don't want to get murdered by bradley you have to Mm -hmm. continue conversing with him so we're Mm going to give you a few sentences you could say to pretend that you've seen gone with the wind bradley i have never been more touched by the clip clops of horses in film than I was during that long, long four hours. Bradley, for me, seeing all the bodies strewn about on the ground really reminded me of the statues in Citizen Kane. And it makes me wonder if we can draw some similarities about humankind and the wars we all fight every day. Bradley, I mean, if we're doing film comparisons, I would love to cite a line from the film in which Rhett Butler says, I believe in Rhett Butler. He's the only cause I know. And of course, Bradley, as I can tell from your erection, you've seen Casablanca. (laughs) (laughs) In which which Humphrey Bogart famously says, I'm the only cause I care about. Sit down, Bradley. (laughs) You're embarrassing yourself. (laughs) Put it away. I think we got to end on that one. That was yeah. so good. <laughs> okay, perfect. It is now time for our segment, Should You Watch This Or, in which we tell you if you should watch this film or if you should do absolutely please anything else with your time. Sienna, over to you. I uh, opted for no, you should not watch this film. I don't think it's worth it. But a film that you could watch instead that kind of like deals with some similar themes actually and has some of the stuff that you like about this film but are conflicted about liking, this one has it without the stuff that is problematic. So it's called the SpongeBob movie. Um, <laughs> it's got bright colors. It's also about like trying to save like the land that you care about in, in Gone with the Wind, it's Terra, the plantation. Um, and in the SpongeBob movie, it's the Krusty Krab. I really enjoy it every time and it doesn't make me cringe. And it's not four hours. Beautiful. A pineapple under the sea. Absolutely. All the way. I would say you should absolutely not watch this film. You do not need to. Um, What you could do instead is you could watch 1917 for the first two hours of time that this film takes. Actually less than that. It's under two hours as a runtime. Again, you get that that triage unit. A man's calf is missing most of what it should have. Um, (laughs) And a surprise cow, as we love. And with your extra two hours, you could go earn a living. Um, You could go actually do two hours of work and make an income rather than watching this film. And I cannot believe that I am endorsing capitalism, but that is what Gone with the Wind has done to me. That is actually a really good wreck. 1917 is a much better war film. So much better. Still very, you know, 
white and male, but no, many problems. Uh, also, the SpongeBob movie probably doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but hey, sure. But I do also want to say, if anybody knows George Mackay, uh, you do legally have to tell me. Thank you. Okay, everybody, that was Gone with the Wind. We hope you got something out of that, got how batshit crazy it was, and know um, not to watch it. So next week we'll be watching Lawrence of Arabia. No, no. <laughs> Same length, almost. Great. Please feel free to tweet us at Tossed Popcorn. We're on Instagram at the same handle. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely week. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.